What's the scoop around the NBA? Let's find out with the Scoop on Hoops NBA podcast. This is your host, Cody Mallory, back with another episode of the Scoop on Hoops NBA podcast. Once again, I am joined by my co-host, Joe Farrow. We are just starting the second round of the NBA draft. How are you doing, my man? Dude, it's been a long night watching all these picks. It was there was a lot of dramatics throughout the night watching the like very drastic slip of one of the top five players in this class. So I'm excited to dive into that and uh, the entire draft as a whole. Yeah, I mean, all the fireworks, which we'll dive into, kind of happened before the draft. Um, so yeah. yeah, the I'm assuming you're talking about Cam Whitmore. Yeah, obviously sliding to twenty was the by far the most surprising thing that has actually happened during the draft. But, Joe, before we get into the draft itself, we got to talk about the trades that have happened recently. Yeah. Um, let's start with Boston. Um, the Porzingis situation, I think, is a good spot to start. Mm-hmm. Recapping real quick before we give our opinions, our thoughts, um, kind of out of nowhere, like, it was reported that Boston had interest in Kristaps Porzingis. Um, he had a player option, opt-in, opt-out. I think it was roughly $36 million. Yep. Um, and it was reported at first that Boston, the Clippers, and the Wizards had a three-team deal. Um, long story short, it had Brogdon going to the Clippers and Porzingis going to the Celtics salary match basically going to the Wizards I think like a second round pick or something like the Wizards return to shit um, and then out of nowhere after Shams and Woj both reported that it was pretty much confirmed done done deal the Clippers backed out of the deal because of an injury concern with Malcolm Brogdon um, it was reported that they were afraid because they didn't have enough time to give Brogdon a physical and he had an elbow injury. Yeah. Part of part of the with this whole thing was that Porzingis had a midnight deadline for his player option with the Wizards. And it was like eleven fifteen at this point. This was last night. And it's like the trade just fell through. And then out of nowhere, Boston pulled out an even bigger blockbuster out of their ass mm-hmm. where they sent Marcus Smart to the Memphis Grizzlies. The Grizzlies get their Dylan Brooks. Upgrade. I don't want to say replacement because that's an insult to Marcus Smart. So they're upgrade from Dylan Brooks, I'll say. They send two first-round picks to Boston. Wild. Boston gets Porzingis, and then the Wizards get Tyus Jones. Crazy shit, Joe. What are your thoughts? I think it's a really good move for Boston. Um, And it's a very good move for – for Memphis as well. I think it's honestly like, I think all of the sides really won in this trade. Why the Celtics ended up with two first round picks and the best player in the trade. I don't know. Um, But Marcus smart is a nice veteran presence to add to that team. Uh, Especially like everybody keeps saying like, yo, if the, if the Grizzlies had like a vet to like point John Morant in the right direction, like maybe some of this stuff wouldn't really be happening, but Marcus smart is a great guy. Now, the Memphis Grizzlies have the last two defensive player of the year on their team. Um, Boston adds more firepower on offense, more size. It's going to be tough to deal with the, I mean, if Horford is back, 
Robert Williams, Al Horford, and Chris Porzingis all being on the floor at like rotating throughout the game because that's just disgusting size wise. And then Tyus Jones gets an opportunity to be a lead guard in uh, the A lead guard in Washington. I mean, we got to dive into the other trade now because now Washington also has a pretty jumbled backcourt after their trade. (laughs) Yeah. Before we dive into the other one, um, I just want to break this one down team by team. Boston. Joe, my thoughts with Boston. Something had to change with that team. They've fallen short the last couple of years. Yeah. Same core. They want to keep Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum together. Makes sense. Two stud wings in the NBA. Like, yeah, you want to keep it together. I know Marcus Smart's kind of the veteran, like you mentioned, the heart and soul of the team, but it wasn't working. I think Porzingis is a huge upgrade for them. Um, he gives them kind of a third offensive player where they don't even have to run like sets through him, but you can like if Jalen Brown's having a shit night or Tatum's out or whatever in the regular season, like you can run mid post for Porzingis, a lot of pick and pops. He's going to defend the rim. It's a question of, can he stay healthy? That's always what it's been for Porzingis. He played 65 games in Washington this past year. I think it was a career high, if I'm not mistaken. Might've been. Unless it was and his career. The upside's there, Joe, for Porzingis. Like, he's 27. He is on a one-year deal, so Boston will probably have to pay him if they want to keep him. I'm not sure how the hell they can pull that out of their ass with the new CBA coming. But I like the move for Boston. On top of it, like you said, they got two first-round picks, which makes no sense to me how Boston got those picks. And then they Blows tra- my mind. And then one of them was tonight at number 25, and then they traded it again, like, moving back. So, I don't know. <laughs> but it just blows my mind how they got the first round picks. Um, I mean, there's like a narrative around Chris Epps Porzingis, and I think it it's mainly because of the injury history. But it's like everybody's saying like, oh, he fell off or whatever. When you look at his numbers, his points per game have improved every time he's moved to a different situation. Like he's only gotten better. Like when he yeah. is able to play, he he averaged 17 as a Nick. He averaged 20 as a Mav. He averaged 22 as a Wizard. And now he's moving on to his fourth team. Like he's consistently improving. So yeah. it's like the the whole narrative around Christoph Porzingis is not the same player he used to be. Yeah, you're right. He's not the same player he used to be. He's better. Like he's better. He he was efficient from the floor this year. I think he shot like forty nine percent from the field, yeah. which is as like a fresh. like as a big man who takes like one of the, like the tougher shots for like that position. Like he'll be yeah. taking shots behind the arc and like because like numbers are skewed when you look at like a guy like Nick Claxton and he wins the field like at the same position and he shoots like seventy percent from the field, you know like that like he wins the like the field goal percentage title or whatever. I know he got a trophy, but like <laughs> like but like people just see like forty uh, something percent from a center and it's just like oh my god like what what's going on there. But no, like Chris Porzingis is taking post shots, he's taking three pointers, he's doing it all. So yeah. he's he's being he's very efficient for the shots that he's taking for sure. Hundred percent. So I think Boston got better. Obviously, there's some risk in it if Porzingis can only play twenty games, and yikes. But I mean, their projected starting lineup right now is Derek White. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Porzingis, and probably Robert Williams would be my guess. Yeah, like, if he's able to stay healthy too. Yeah, and even if he's not, they still have Horford. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen with Brogdon, but I like the move for Boston. 
honestly, I'm not a huge Marcus Smart fan. I never have been. But the Grizzlies needed a player like Marcus Smart. I think they kind of overpaid giving up Tyus Jones and two first-round picks. That's my personal opinion. But they needed someone like Marcus Smart in the locker room. They're a young team, clearly an immature team. We've seen what happens with them. Um, They needed that dog in the locker room that's going to press people. And I think they overpaid. But, hey, if it makes them have everyone around, like John Morant, gives them kind of some – adult figure in the locker room, it's worth it. And then the Wizards, like, Joe, the Wizards have been super active, man. <laughs> like, the trade got monumentally better for the Wizards by the Clippers saying, no thanks, we don't want to do this anymore. Absolutely. Like, the Wizards should be thanking the Clippers, man. Like, <laughs> monument- were- monumentally better. And honestly, like, once the full returns have come out for the Wizards, um, well, I guess let's first dive into the next trade. Anything else you want to say on the Celtics trade, Joe? No, I'm good on that. I'm, I want to talk yeah. about the other one. <laughs> and I, think, uh, I think Gallinari and I don't remember the other player that went to Washington for like a cat filler. I think oh. there's another Boston guy that went out. But anyways. Uh, they, the Wizards traded Ryan Rollins or something like that. Oh, uh, okay. Yep. Yeah. All right, Joe, dive into the other trade. I'll let you take it. You seem very interested and hyped about this one. <laughs> it's like, what? I don't understand what type of sense it makes for the most part, honestly. That's my that's my whole thing, especially when you look into, like, what ended up happening with the Warriors tonight drafting. Um, so start off with the trade is Jordan Poole, essentially Jordan Poole for Chris Paul. Jordan Poole and – a, an unprotected uh, no right was it is it unprotected or lottery protected in the, the first round pick they gave which is in 2030 by the way um and then i believe a second round pick or something of that nature but so it turns out to be jordan pool and two picks one's a first one's a second don't know the protection or if it's a swap for chris paul from the wizards so now the wizards add jordan pool to their backcourt the we have a bat now. We have in Golden State, you have Chris Paul and Steph Curry on the same team. Um, you might as well put traffic cones along the three <laughs> perimeter defense over there now. But it's just like a wild trade in general. Like, I guess the new uh, what was it? Is it Mike Dunleavy that took over for uh, yes, sir. Bob Myers? Yeah, I guess he just sees Jordan Poole as like somebody that like needed to go. Um, and I mean, like the whole situation with Draymond last year, it's it's certainly an int- I, like it's a lot to take in, especially because Jordan Poole's a young player. They just paid him like a hundred million dollars, I believe his contract was. Um, over four. And Joe, years. real quick, their new GM just said, like literally, I think it was four days ago that they're excited to have him like around for these next several years, and then boom, yeah. traded. It's like the Warriors are stuck in like a middle ground where it's like. We don't know if we just want veterans and want to keep keep the title window open as long as we can, or we want to groom some of these young guys to eventually take over once like Curry and Clay and Dre are like done. But then you trade like the brightest young piece for a thirty nine year old Chris Paul making thirty million dollars. Um, I, that is certainly not how I would want to use my cap space right now. <laughs> uh, 
But I, I don't know. It's a lot to break in. And I mean, I think it's a good move for the Wizards. They get a new lead guard over there. Jordan Poole is probably going to average 25 points in Washington this year with that roster and probably win most improved player. Yeah, I mean, so just I pulled up the trade. It was a 2030 first round pick. I believe it's unprotected and a 2027 second round pick. So essentially, it was a, it was a salary dump move by yeah. the Warriors. Yeah, but like and, a salary dump. In a, in a way, because you're taking on $30 million for a 39-year-old. Right. And it was more so like a long-term salary dump. Because yeah. pools under contract longer. Um, Man, like, I thought their Warriors were going to somehow move on from Chris Paul. But Chris, I think I'm pretty sure it was Chris Haynes said that. Yeah, they want to keep They're keeping them. They're excited to have them. And it's like. How do you play him next to Steph Curry, man? I know you already mentioned the traffic cone thing, but six two and six feet, like bro, how do you do that in the NBA now? Where especially wings are like, are you seeing like not not even just wings? Sorry to cut you off, but watching the draft tonight, everybody in this damn draft is six five or taller. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Literally, like I think there was only probably like one person in the first round that was like under six four. Like, no joke. Like, I think it was Keontae George, and then there was one other guy who was, like, shorter than that. But, like, all these guys are coming in. They all got size. Like, size is killer in the NBA right now on all at all positions. Like, the Thompsons with – the Amen Thompson went fourth overall tonight. He's a six foot seven point guard. Anthony Black, six foot six point guard. Like, the top guards that are coming into the league now are all big guys. Like – and now you're putting out a what is that, a 35 year old Steph Curry and a 39 year old Chris Paul at six two and six foot. If you're gonna put that in the backcourt, like that's that's tough, bro. That's gonna be tough to manage. Yeah, I think it's a disaster for Golden State. <laughs> Straight up, like I got no other way to put it besides that I think it's a disaster. And I don't know, man. Like. They got the question with Draymond looming. Are they going to extend him? He opted out. I know he said he was his agent. You better bring him back if, like, you just traded the dude that he punched, and that apparently was the issue. (laughs) You you better bring him back now. Yeah, I know, like, his agent said that he wants a contract that lines up with Steph Curry. I'm pretty sure Curry has three years left on his deal. Yeah. A lot of question marks in Gold State. A lot of question marks. So, Definitely something to keep an eye on. And I just want to say, like, the Wizards, I know I kind of bashed them in the last pod um, that they got shit for Bradley Beal, and then they moved on from Porzingis. They're probably going to lose Kyle Kuzma. They're doing, like, a full reset. But when you look at all they got, like, they didn't get a ton of first-round picks, but they got swaps. They got Tyus Jones, Jordan Poole. They moved up again tonight in the draft. Um they're being aggressive and they're making moves. Like, honestly, I don't hate what they've done to kind of reset their roster. Yeah. I don't hate it at all either. They're they're I, I think they're, um, I think they're all getting like, I, it's hard to like phrase, but the, they're, they know what they're doing clearly. Like at first it didn't look like they had a plan, but, but like now, now it seems that they do. Yeah, I agree. 100%. I mean, they're going to be god-awful. Like, they're not going to be a yeah, good team, yeah. and I think that's kind of the goal, honestly. <laughs> but no, at least at least they have a direction now. For sure. Exactly. All right. 
So, in addition to these trades, um, we had Chris Middleton opting out of his player option of $40 million, Joe. This is a guy that's, like, injured. He's getting up there in age. The only way that I could see him opting out of a $40 million player option is if the Bucks said that they'll give him a longer-term deal for a lesser amount per year. Yeah. I can't I can't imagine opting out of forty million dollars a year for one, but I mean I can definitely see that he'll it's kind of like the Draymond Green situation. He's not gonna be getting the same amount of money, but like he can get a longer deal for a little bit less. Right. The security of like you said, a longer deal, maybe it's thirty million, thirty-two million a year instead of the forty for one. It's just crazy. Like if he doesn't have that. I mean, there's really no such thing as, like, a handshake agreement. Like, we've heard about the Kyrie situation in Dallas. But if he doesn't have that from the Bucks and he opted out, that's just foolish, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. Because you would be on a contending team making $40 million. But at, he's at that age, though, where it's like, yeah, like, you'd rather get a stretched-out deal than just a one-year bag right. and hang on, like, a MLE for the rest of your career. 100%. And I don't think that, – I think that's it. Yeah, for trades, players opting out. That's, that's um, anything else before we dive into the draft? I don't believe so. All right, so let's get right into it with the draft. Um, so it started off no surprise for anything. Like I don't know if there's ever been such a sure thing to happen in life than Victor Wembanyama going first in the NBA draft. I mean, minus 20,000 on all the betting apps. I was messing around with it earlier today. I was like, if I put $80,000 on Victor Webb and Yama to go number one overall, I would win $400 in return. <laughs> and honestly, Joe, that would be the easiest $400 you've ever learned in your, earned in your entire life. I wish I had the $80,000 to put on it, truthfully. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, it was going to happen. I mean, I honestly was like, Kind of shocked at how emotional he got, but it was kind of awesome at the same time because, like, this guy has known he's going number one for at least a year, most oh. likely longer. Definitely. And he was super moved by it, super emotional. They panned on ESPN to the stadium in San Antonio. Like, it was a sellout. It's crazy. It was louder in there when they announced the pick than it is in some teams, like, home games. It was crazy in that. That that was actually pretty nuts, honestly. It was weird, so, to be honest, but like, yeah, I mean, Spurs. This is like a generational talent. Like you hear generational talent prospect thrown out there a lot. It's overused phrase, in my opinion, but he is genuinely a generational talent that we might never see again in our lifetime. Seven five, eight foot wingspan. Moves like a guard, can shoot, block shots, like full package. Unreal. But we don't have to spend time on him. Everyone knows about him. And then we kind of went through a little bit of chalk, Joe. So we went Brandon Miller at two, which personally I think is a huge mistake by the Hornets. I agree. Um, Which leads me into saying the Blazers took Scoot Henderson at three. If I'm the Hornets at two, I'm taking Scoot Henderson. I think he's going to be a superstar. I don't care if I have him and LaMelo Ball. I figure it out later. The Hornets aren't 
the type of team yet where they have enough talent and they go based off of like positional need. If, you're, if I'm them, I just take best available. And I think Scoot Henderson is by far the second best player in this draft. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It was it was weird to see. Like it was, we had the report from Shams this morning that Scoot Henderson was getting was getting traction to go number two overall, and like it shut down the sports books immediately. <laughs> like it was wild. Like he was like a, pl- I believe he was plus two hundred to be the number two overall pick because Brandon Miller was the heavy favorite there. Then it immediately jumped to him to Scoot going to minus nine hundred to be the second overall pick. And then they didn't even put out odds for the third overall pick for like another hour and a half. <laughs> like it was nuts. I was keeping track because I'm like, man, like how do I find a way to make money off this thing? Um, but it, yeah. So it ended up being like what we thought all along and Brandon Miller goes second, even though like, I don't know if that was necessarily the right decision. And then Scoot Henderson goes third and like, Blazers end up keeping their pick. They're going to have to figure it out because now they have three very talented guards in their backcourt. Um, should be interesting for sure. Yeah, Joe, real quick before I dive into the Blazers more. I think it's incredibly sus that Shams is tweeting that shit, especially since he's partnered with FanDuel. Like, <laughs> yeah. it just it just screams like – you shouldn't be doing that, especially when, like you said, people are betting on the odds when one of the biggest named NBA insiders is tweeting that, oh, Scoot Henderson's gaining momentum to go second now. And it's like, Woj, Woj, I think Woj kind of took a shot at him when he was like, Brandon Miller goes number two, like was the plan all along or something. I don't remember the exact phrasing, but it was like, it was always Brandon Miller. Yeah. Um. So yeah, back to Shams. Um, roughly a half an hour ago, so a little after 11 p.m. Eastern, Shams went on his little Twitter thing, I don't know, stadium or whatever, yeah. and was talking about the Blazers, and he said that the Pelicans were trying to get Scoot Henderson from them. Um, his exact words were, Portland has refused to move Scoot Henderson and has no interest in moving him. Um, he get, kind of gave a timeline for the Dame situation. He re- reiterated that Dame doesn't want to play with like a young rebuilding team. He wants to be around veterans. They have a chance at winning. Um, kind of gave it like a week or two free agency uh, where Dame doesn't want to be the one to like request out, but it might be on the Blazers terms of them finally realizing they have a good young core and they need to get assets for Dame to continue the rebuild. It really is such an odd situation, bro. Because, like, if Dame wants veterans, like, you can't tell me he doesn't want to play with Brandon Ingram. <laughs> like, it right. just makes a lot of sense. Like, Dame wants another guy, a secondary star next to him that he hasn't had since CJ McCollum, and that ne- had, didn't necessarily work out all that great for them. Like, it's it's going to be I, – I think that would solve all of Damian Lillard's problems. If you really want to keep the guy and you don't want to trade him, you could have – done that trade where you get Brandon Ingram. But it's I don't, it's still it's such a clusterfuck over there. Like I don't even nobody knows what they're doing. I mean, that's a good way to sum it up. Like ultimately, I have come around to I think Dame will be moved at some point. I just don't see a way where they can keep Scoot Henderson and acquire another all-star to play there via trade. 
I mean, they can move Anthony Simons, but you're not getting a top-tier all-star for him. Like, I think Anthony Simons is another young, high-upside guy, but Anthony you're Simons, not getting someone Anthony to make Simons with, the number, with the number three pick could have gotten you something. But Anthony Simons alone isn't really going to get you much of anything. Well, Joe, according to uh, Zach Lowe, it couldn't even get you Mikel Bridges, so... Yeah. But we know we know firsthand how highly the Nets value him. They declined four first round picks for him straight up at the deadline when we acquired him. That's true. So it's many the net the Nets are very high on Mikael Bridges. So and it's like they would rather wait to see if Dame wants out and then they could put an offer for that rather than hand over Mikael Bridges to them. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, per Shams right now, Damon Lillard wants to give the Blazers more time to build a container, a contender, and will take the next week to think about his future. Obviously, we are approaching midnight on the East Coast, which would bring us right to seven days until NBA free agency. Absolutely crazy. So what, like, he wants to know their plan going into free agency to make his decision that everybody could have a plan, but they could offer these dudes and then nobody's going to want to come. Like, it's not like they're actually going to be able to improve the team within the next week through free agency. Like, yeah, he would need at least probably three weeks for that. So it's like, what do you do? I don't know. I mean, ultimately he needs, they just, both sides need to move on. It's over. They would, Gave it a long-ass chance. Like, it's not working. Then you go to step away. And honestly, like, it's like, I know this is just like beating a dead horse, but it makes sense for the Blazers to do it as well as for Dame. It, it absolutely does. Like, Dame's been there for 12 years now. Like, and you've never yeah. necessarily been close. Have they ever gone past the second round? I don't think so. Not that I remember. So it's like... Bro, like, it's time to call it quits. Like, revamp yourself. You really believe in Anthony Simons? You really love Scoot Henderson that much? Those are two great young pieces to start it up again around. You can get some crazy assets for Damian Lillard. Like, just do it. It's better yeah. off everybody. I agree. But um, let's move on. Let's kind of go back to the draft. So, the Twins went 4-5, I think, kind of expected. Um, Amin Thompson going four to the Rockets, Asar Thompson going five to the Pistons. Honestly, my big takeaway is the Pither, the Rockets had a great draft. We'll get more into that at pick 20, kind of a foreshadow from earlier. And the Pistons, man, the Pistons have a lot of young, exciting players, and Asar Thompson is just adding to that group they already have. Yeah, I completely agree. And I mean, we, we already talked about it a little bit, but it was expected that the Twins, at least one of them was going to go in the top five. They both end up going in the top five. Um, Cam Whitmore originally was the fourth projected player. And this is where like his slide began. And then the Rockets end up going with Amen Thompson first. He seems to have the higher upside as with his playmaking ability and his uh, his quickness. Um, yep. So he he goes he goes ahead of his brother, but Asura Thompson is also going to be such a good player, bro. Like the both of those twins were home run picks for both for both teams. Hundred percent, I agree. Then six, Anthony Black to the Magic, which leads me to think the Magic are going to have to move one of their guards. 
Yeah. Either Cole Anthony or Jalen Suggs is out. A report came out earlier today that uh, the Lakers were interested in Jalen Suggs, but um, Cole Anthony, it would kind of make a little more sense, I would think, for them to move. He has to be paid sooner. Um, and he he hasn't really been available uh, as much for them. And you're bringing in another, another young guard. I feel like Jalen Suggs works pretty decently as a off-ball guard more than Cole Anthony. In a way, so if you're gonna move one, I would assume you hand the reins over to Anthony Black and you and you try to move Cole Anthony rather than Jalen Suggs. Yep, I agree. I think he'll probably be on the move. And then kind of the first major surprise came at seven when the Wizards moved up a pick to draft Bilal Koulibaly out of France. Yeah, he um, Wemby's he... teammate. Wemby's teammate, uh, Wemby was saying that he should have been a top five pick, um, and I'm sure that's probably just him hyping up his boy or whatever. But he, from what I've seen, he he looks like he could be a very good NBA player for sure. Um, I think he was more expected around like the the like ten to thirteen range. Yep. So that was like the first like thing that really threw a wrench in the plans. I believe this is where everybody thought Whitmore was going to go originally once the Thompson twins went ahead of him, but his slide just can continued and continued and continued and I I, I I can't believe he fell that far personally <laughs> I'll get into him real quick but first I want to the Mavs man the Mavericks so obviously they they tanked to get that 10th pick yep. no secret about it they got fined for it Mark Cuban did and then they traded it away. They traded to the Thunder. They moved down. They were able to dump Bertans, um, which honestly looked like a, a genius move for them. And then at pick 12, they still got their guy, Derek Lively, from Duke. And I don't want to go through every pick, but the Magic selecting Jet Howard at 11 was kind of surprising to me. It seemed <laughs> yeah. like a reach. That was a big reach. He wasn't really projected to go until uh, around like the mid-20s early to mid twenties. Um, I mean, I, in like the mocks that we were going through, I, I, that I was going through, I saw like as high as like 17 to the Lakers, but I saw as low as like 27. So it was like, like early, like around 20 to 25 was like the sweet spot for him. And he goes at 11. That was certainly a shock when I heard his name called. I agree. Surprising that he went 11. We uh, closed out the lottery. With my boy Jordan Hawkins from UConn, yeah. which the Pelicans they uh they need shooting and Hawkins will definitely give them that. And then I don't want to go through every single pick. I'm assuming everyone that is listening to this um, watched the draft, followed the draft on Twitter. Which honestly, Joe, like the ESPN coverage was dog shit. Um, it was terrible. Horrible. Like the Twitter coverage is honestly a lot better. Yeah, and I like I tweeted that out. Someone was like, "Yeah, ESPN, like they're not trying to appeal to the younger audience anymore. They know that they're getting their information on Twitter." And like, my dad loved it. I was like, "I don't know, man. Like, yeah. I feel like the NBA is more of like a younger audience league." But whatever you say. Yeah. And then we finally get to Cam Whitmore at pick twenty to the Houston Rockets. Crazy, absolutely crazy. Yeah, um, they did it again. <laughs> um, what was it? Was Sangoon the same class as Jalen Green? Is that what it was? I do not know. 
I believe they got Jalen Green, or they picked somebody early at the top of the draft, and then they ended up getting Sangoon around. I believe he was, like, picked 19 or 18. But Cam Whitmore was originally supposed to go number four overall to the Houston Rockets. He had a whole slide. They they pick Amen Thompson first, the higher upside player out of the Thompson Twins. And Cam Whitmore slides all the way down to 20. And there was reports coming out that they were that the Rockets were aggressively trying to trade up with the Lakers, the Heat, and the Warriors, which were the three teams ahead of ahead of them, to go presumably get Cam Whitmore. And all three teams like stayed put and they picked and they didn't take Cam Whitmore. And he ends up his slide ends at 20th. And personally, as a Nets fan, that was gut-wrenching to me because I watched his fall all the way down, and I knew it was happening right before me because I know how the Rockets draft by now. And I was like, it's just way too perfect that they were supposed to get this guy at four and they're going to get him at 20. But they did it once again. They The Rockets have been putting together some stellar drafts in recent years. They probably – I believe, like, they probably have, like, seven or eight guys on their roster right now that are under 23, 20 – like around there, um, they're just going to be a player development juggernaut over there, like similar to how the Oklahoma City Thunder are right now. Um, but, yeah, I mean, in, in terms of like it's silly to like grade draft picks like on draft night because like you don't know if any of these guys are even going to be good at all on like legitimately. Um, but, man, like that – Right now, it seems like the Rockets put together one hell of a class. I agree completely. And real quick on Whitmore, Woj reported before. So there was like some reports being floated around, mainly on Twitter, that there was injury concerns with Whitmore. Um, Woj went on ESPN and said that teams were describing a combination of poor individual workouts and not great interviews as part of the reason why he was falling. Um, he didn't mention injury at all, so I mean, it was it was just very surprising. And like you said, he fell right to the Rockets at twenty. Worked out great for them, and hey, they got their guy. Yeah, they did, and I mean, it's it worked out perfectly for them. Like, I mean, if you're going off big boards, they got two top five players in this class, yeah. um, and one of them they got at the number twenty overall pick. So certainly. Certainly a good draft on paper as of right now for the Houston Rockets. I really like both of those players and what they can bring to that Rockets team. But, um, yeah, I mean, they, as of right now, I feel like they have to go down as the winners outside of, like, the Spurs with Victor Webinyama because generational player, of course. And, I mean, the, the, the Timberwolves, now that they have Scoot Anderson, they really can't go wrong with if they move Dame. They're set up perfectly for a rebuild. But then the Rockets, like, I, I put them – right up top yeah overall very like talented and deep draft um obviously like gg jackson Jackson just went 45th to memphis like and he was supposed to be a first round pick like it's a deep deep class man and uh i just want to give another quick little shout on a high upside guy derek whitehead ended up falling to the nets I don't know if I should say falling, but when he came out as a high school player in 2022, like he was the number two player in the ESPN Top 100. He was the MVP of the McDonald's All-American game. He's had foot surgery, um, actually performed by the Brooklyn Nets doctor, Dr. Martin O'Malley, which might sound familiar because I believe he is the same doctor that operated on Kevin Durant. Yeah, he did Kevin Durant's Achilles. 
So, I mean, that's why the Nets probably felt comfortable picking him. I think Floor, he's like a 3 and D guy. I think his ceiling is very high if he can get healthy. Um, Hard-nosed defender. He's lent again like 6. I think he's 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. Big, strong kid. He's only 18 years old. Can shoot the ball. Kind of underperformed at Duke. But when he came out of high school, like he was projected to be a top-five pick in the NBA. And obviously, his freshman year at Duke didn't go as planned. Instead of going back, he came out to the NBA and he that got picked at 23. 22? 22. 22. Yeah, 22. My bad. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think this class shows a lot of promise, like a lot more than we've seen in recent years where there's just like a bunch of guys you literally have never heard of. There's a lot of guys you heard from like coming up throughout the years in this class. And um, it seems that there's like, there's a lot of hype surrounding this class and I hope it lives up to it because there's a lot of guys in this class that I really want to see do well. 100%. Hundred percent. Anything else you want to talk about, Joe? I think I'm all good. All right. So it is. Well, it's Friday now. Twelve oh eight midnight <laughs> Thursday, going into Friday. I'm exhausted, man. Like I've been up for too long. The Celtics trade last night right around midnight really screwed with my sleep, and then I've been staring at my screen for the last five hours. So my eyes are burning. Um, we are officially well, basically one week away from the NBA free agency period. Keep an eye out for the next episode. We will be back next week. Let's wrap up here, Joe. Thank you for listening to the Scoop on Hoops NBA podcast. Please subscribe, like, comment, and share. We greatly appreciate all the support. Until next time, bye bye